Young parents will know what that sound is. <laughs> yep, they will. <laughs> Hi everyone, thanks for listening to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performance in Edmonton. My name is Fonda. Um, We're at the end of haunted house season, but Paul is still out there. Um, So it's me and a couple of special guests this week. Um, I will add that we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And um, yes, this week I was joined by two of my favorite people, two of my favorite moms, um, escaping their babies each for one night to... um, to come see some dance and theater with me. So first up is uh, my sister, Raina. Um, we saw Alberta Ballet's Frankenstein. And then um, after that, you will hear Colleen, the return of Colleen. Um, she has uh, popped in to help me review um, The Particulars, which was a short-run punctuate theater piece um, that just got here after um, uh, great runs in New York and Toronto. So um, yeah, I will um, I will leave it at that for now. We will start with the Frankenstein review. And I will note that um, the Paul Taylor dance piece that I'm trying to remember as we're talking about this, um, it was Esplanade, uh, which I believe uh, was presented here just a couple of years ago. So um, all right, we'll, we'll leave you with this review of Frankenstein. Hello, Raina. Hey, Fonda. How's, how's it going today? It's going really good. It's Halloween. Yeah. 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 It's Halloween and we're in your van. <laughs> we're in my sweet van. It's new for me, but it's not new by any means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's exciting still. <laughs> I'm currently pumping <laughs> because I have a little baby at home. <laughs> And he's not doing it for me, so I need to pump. <laughs> so this is what happens when young moms go to the ballet and sit in an auditorium for a couple of hours. They have to get out to their vehicles and immediately pump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, great. So, well, happy Halloween then. Um, what what did we see tonight? We saw Frankenstein, the ba- the Alberta Ballet's Frankenstein. Are you f- were you familiar at all, other than you know, kind of like Hollywood tropes and and general pop culture knowledge with the with the actual uh, novel of Frankenstein? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I really liked the Kenneth Branagh movie <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah, <laughs> you have a Kenneth Branagh thing. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I don't know why, because it's Kenneth Branagh, but he's great. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even really remember the Kenneth Branagh movie Frankenstein. But okay. We uh, we studied it in school. With along with the novel, right? Yeah. Yeah, like the novel. Yeah, we watched the movie. I think for yeah, (laughs) for for effect. Yeah, (laughs) for additional material. Um, Okay. Well, so basically, so Alberta Ballet has been working on this for two years. It's um it's been touted as a very cinematic, very high tech production. Um, it's it's not a huge huge cast because it really focuses on the narrative and the story of sort of these like few main characters namely Victor the sort of the doctor character um, the monster um, his his cre- or 
the creature, his creation. Um, and then it, you know, goes into the bit of Victor's past life and everything like that, and the and the characters that intersect with his life. So, um, well, I want to start out by saying, well, what did you think? How do you think that they achieved the story and used, you know, used the design and things like that? What what were your thoughts on how they were doing that? That I think was done quite effectively in terms of like the ballet because <laughs> sometimes you can go and if I mean you might see a classical like narrative ballet and not really understand the story um, there's no sort of support material to get you through it this had like yeah it had the kind of projections and like was it 4D video again like we saw a similar thing in that other show but um, but they also had some like narrative written lines coming up on the screen like, like I think it's the opera is that what they use for the opera? Yeah the, the, the super titles same same sort of deal that the opera uses is the projection of text above the stage yeah mm-hmm. and so they were leading you along the story with that stuff but I mean really without without that stuff coming up you 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 could understand a lot of what was going on without that but you did need a few bits of information because in the ballet they don't speak like knowing that oh you know this person died or he's getting a text that this person died or that person died if you just saw that he was all upset and whatever mm-hmm. you would have no idea what it was about like so it was kind of helpful yeah and and uh yeah the set and everything like all that stuff kind of took you through the story yeah i mean they 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 did a few different things like they they took it out of the real mary shelley era um and put it in sort of a more canadian slash american um international um milieu right like they start out in the yukon territory in some wilderness um at a meteorological station mm-hmm. um and they're they're doing some they're apparently doing some earth coring with an ice auger <laughs> like an ice fishing auger yeah. which i thought you would appreciate <laughs> yeah like a manual one <laughs> and they obviously don't know how to use it although they're probably not trying to they're tr- probably trying not to damage the stage so we'll give them that um <laughs> but uh so so they're doing that they find this they find the doctor he's wandering through the through the the north um and then it takes us through flashbacks of his life to mar-a-lago in florida um, where he, he grew up with his family as a young man, and then to Boston with his friend. Um, and the scenes in that one, that Newberry Street in Boston, I thought were kind of, they were very nicely choreographed and nicely set. The I thought they had the kind of like, cinematic backdrop of like you know like a brownstone street um but then this promenade of dancers walking by um to sort of like illustrate um boston at a certain time it looked a little bit like maybe what you might think of the film pleasantville but also really reminded me of the paul taylor dance um promenade um where it's just this sort of like like relentless streams of like people walking by and things happening and couples doing you know couples dancing together so Choreographically, I think that there was a little bit of a reference to to that style. Um, But then, I guess also, what did you think of, you know, this is Alberta Ballet, what did you think of the dancing and how that came out in this show? Dancing-wise, like, we kind of noticed in the first act there was 
kind of a lack of dancing. <laughs> they were kind of, I don't know, getting through the story and sort of, I guess, setting up the story and that kind of thing. There's a lot of very sort of turgid pantomime. Yeah. Like people are very emotional and heightened, but there's yeah. there's still not a lot of progress being made. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then sometimes you were a little distracted by the writing coming up, thinking you had to read something, and it was like as soon as people would start dancing, you're like, well, let's see these people dance, but you're kind of reading this thing, so that was sort of something. But um, the monster kind of comes out at the end, and he's amazing and looks awesome in his bodysuit, and he's just, like, gorgeous. Um, some of... I notice little... It's like, one of the comments I made fun of was, like, just little things... When the ensemble cat, like when they're all dancing, they kind of are lacking unison a little bit, and I don't like that. Mm. I want it to be very precise when there's a lot of people doing the exact same thing. But that's just one thing I noticed. Yeah. Yeah, there was there was a bit there was a looseness to um, to the ensemble scenes. I think um, you know even though even though the I think the largest scene was actually the one where um, Victor is at medical school and all of the Harvard people are dancing together. That was probably like the largest ensemble bit. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think that the core like you know it just felt that there wasn't. They weren't quite hitting their stride where it came to um, synchronization in the parts where it felt like that should be happening, I guess. Um, and I I honestly thought we, we were talking to another couple at intermission and they they mentioned, you know, something that is isn't this kind of really out out there for Alberta Ballet? Isn't this sort of like the most sort of like experimental stuff they do? And I thought, well, no, I've seen them do way weirder shit than this. <laughs> mm hmm. And 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 the and Frankenstein the monster um, or the creature as as they call it um, the creature had some very interesting movement um, some real contortion looking stuff some kind of like almost yogic poses and things um, very very earthy um, also really long lean figure um, comparative to the rest of the cast um, which is not how the creature in a lot of classical interpretations of Frankenstein is portrayed the creature is like this clunky ugly you know like um and even though this one you know sort of did kind of get dressed up like like a hobo a, a limping hobo in mm -hmm. some points um when it actually started to dance it was just kind of it was breathtaking it was really really beautifully done and we'll point out that the creature was played by zachary dunn on the night that we saw it yeah the creature was like when I go to the ballet, the kind of like the, the the beautiful, the long lines, the like the gorgeous dancing body that you want to see, like yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool and had many cool moves. As fun to mention, lots of like cool floor work at the beginning when he came alive and and uh, crazy body bend when he when he was first like sort of come do you remember that yeah oh like the back oh like the back arch the where back you're arch. where where he gets kind of electrocuted to life and you're just kind of like oh he's holding that quite some time i think in yoga they call it i don't know if it's called like the turtle where you're on your back but the top of your head is touching the floor um that's that's a move that's a that's a thing um Anyhow, um, last time we were chatting uh, on the show, you had a you had some things to say about the music, <laughs> and the or the music for these sort of like more abstract shows. Uh, what did you think of the use of music in this piece? Um, I 
for a like for the kind of narrative ballet that it was, I thought that the music was kind of going a little more like the modern bent. Like it had a few classical pieces kind of interspersed. Like I think you mentioned one. Mm-hmm. There, there, something. there was some Vivaldi in there. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, and and you could hear that coming through in this, uh, some of the kind of ensemble bits they were playing classical music. But there was quite a bit of um, just like techno, like digital music kind of noises, and but it still had kind of like the musical like rhythm and tempos that you need to dance, <laughs> which the other show I felt lacked. <laughs> And that's why it was a little bit hard to listen to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the music was, I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it was, it was a mashup of a, a lot of di- different artists in different genres. Um, but it did have this kind of overall contemporary sort of like, um, foreboding feeling, you know, like you're just sort of. Like, and there was also the soundscape of the places that they were in too. Like when they were in the north in the Yukon, and then they go to Jasper at the end, <laughs> and then people started clapping because it was Jasper. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit funny, uh, <laughs> but um, they're like, "Ooh, yeah, ooh, Alberta Ballet goes to Alberta." <laughs> big good so good job <laughs> um but I, I kept thinking a little bit of um years ago when we saw the royal winnipeg ballet do dracula this was another one of those sort of narrative ballets about a classic story that's you know sort of i guess spooky seasonal um but it has all like because it's a sort of a monster story it has all these like big dramatic flourishes and big acting and stuff like that but i think we felt the same way about dracula too there's just like you know once you're you're trying so hard to tell this story um and and get these like sort of very classical ideas out um or classical ideas maybe out of the heads of people and displayed in a different way um but I remember us being nonplussed with that Dracula because it was too, um, it was too movie-like and not enough, like, dance, dance-like. It's, I don't know, it's a thing, like, it's a thing with the, these, like, narrative-type ballets. These just sort of, they're theatrical, like, and I don't know, I don't, like, have you seen one that the dancing was the... Well, I think that in this one, the creature's dancing was the star. So maybe we can agree on that. (laughs) We can agree on that. Yeah. I I feel like you're always craving more dancing after you see one like this. I mean, the projections were very cool. They were really different and everything. And and I felt that they did carry the story well. It had a good coda at the end. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. I think you're... I'm just kind of like, but I just want to see so much more dancing. I just want to see some beautiful ballet. But I don't know, maybe, like, do people who maybe don't go to the ballet a lot want to see something like this that has more story to it, or...? Well, I think I think that's a good question for the subscriber base and and who's, you know, who's buying tickets. I wonder if this show was um, selling to the same base that, say, Swan Lake is is selling to, because we're when when they do Swan Lake later in the season, we're going to go see it and we're going to love it because it's Swan Lake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Swan Lake's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, now we're just now we're just going in circles. <laughs> we just we just we just like the dance. We just like the dance. Yeah. Um, is Swan Lake a classic? Like a 
Is it a classical ballet? Does Swan it... Lake is like one. If you know how Shakespeare has like the big four, yeah. um, ballet kind of has the big four too, um, and Swan Lake is one of them. Do they? Is it like a classical narrative? Like they say, like like this and like Giselle. I remember seeing Giselle once. And... Yeah. Well, like so the yeah so the classical ballets. You know, sort of big four. Well, there's like a big four to six really, but there's there's like Giselle, Swan Lake. Sleeping Beauty. I guess you could throw the Nutcracker in there, but it's more of a holiday piece. Um, you know, so there are those big ones. Um, yeah, and I think that people try and do like really cool modern things with those classical ones, but there's something about seeing just like the pure classical movement that is that is something you always crave. Um, Swan Lake has Swan Lake has a lot of that. I mean, that's why it's so great. Yes. Yes. Well, and it also has, I've said this on the podcast before, it has the most beautiful music in the world. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I, I will stand by that. You can yeah. argue that with me. <laughs> That's one thing with a dance show that I think should be noted. That is a good point. It has the most beautiful music in the world, and you can't wait to see it, even though you've seen it, how, like, how many times you've seen Swan Lake. Just because uh, of the music. Dance shows, <laughs> dance shows need music. <laughs> that is great to be really good and effective. Okay. You, you heard it. You heard it here first. We need music. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so that was our, the, well, we'll leave it at that, I think. Hey, okay? right, you yeah. want to add anything else on Frankenstein? I don't know. I th- yeah, it was, I think it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. Frankenstein, the creature, the creature was really, really good. Um, Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous with that sort of like kind of like eighties metal hair. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the bodysuit. And the bodysuit. Very nice costume design as well. All right. Um well thanks Reina for that. Um and for letting me come into your van while you were <laughs> while you're working on on, on stuff. <laughs> you're welcome. This episode is brought to you in part by Edmonton Community Foundation. On the most recent episode of the Well Endowed podcast, guest host Chris Chang-Yen Phillips tells how an iconic local brewery survived prohibition in Edmonton. And you'll venture into the woods to get up close with some arguably kind of cute nocturnal mammals. Bats. To listen to the episode and find out more about ECF's work in Edmonton, visit thewellendowedpodcast.com. All right, and now we will move on to the particulars with Colleen. I don't really have a lot to set up for this one, so um, yes, enjoy. Hi, Colleen. Hi. How's it going? Good to be back. Yeah, back after after a while. What like what what have you been up to? I had a second baby. Yeah, I did. Remember when we saw the nineteen week abortion play? Then and I had were, a baby, and you were pregnant, and then you had the baby. <laughs> He's fine. Yes. He's like a week old. <laughs> Two weeks, but yeah. Two weeks and you're getting out now. Good. I know. It's you look, exciting. you look, people on the podcast can't see, but I'm going to say you look great. Thanks for saying so. Well, what, what did we see tonight, Colleen? Tonight we saw Matt McKenzie's, um, The Particulars, uh, produced by Punctuate Theatre. 
um, at the city f- at La Cité La Cité Francophone. Yes. Um, I understand this play uh, premiered in New York and then Toronto and has come to do a brief stint in Edmonton. So we were lucky enough to get in on that. Yes, they're only here for two nights, even though Punctuate Theatre is an Edmonton company. Um, and yes, so well, what what what's kind of the format of the show? What going in just on the surface? What is this show sort of about? So it's a bit more unconventional than your typical arrive, see a play. It begins. It there's an intermission. There's another act. Whatever. So it was all one act, and um, it was a a one man show. Um, accompanied by a a chorus of dancers Mm -hmm. Um, and in the beginning of the show was was we were talking about this before we started but it was it was quite a spectacular visual um, event in the sense that there's this beautiful silk screen that's sort of up and that the light sort of just hits in just the right way and then you have all the dancers come on in these sort of ethereal costumes and it looked they looked ghostly like it looked mm-hmm. like the body sort of separated and and the light effect was visually incredibly stunning and then as that sort of dissipates you you meet our central character who does a one man show so we meet Gordon. Gordon is played by Simon Bracken. And um, then he's scored by this chorus of seven dancers who are costumed in this kind of like gauzy, like, I mean, they're all sort of wearing these gauzy like pant skirt things, but also veils. So you, they're, they're not, they don't seem to be really gendered or anything, even though it is, it is six female dancers and one male. Um, and they're... Throughout the show, though, you can't really see their faces. Um, so they really do, in a similar way to um, the way, you know, Punctuate Theatre has done a show similar to this before with bears, where there's a central male character narrator um, who's uh, who's going through some sort of journey, like, like personal journey, um, and the dancers are sort of scoring the things that he is talking about. Um, although with Bears, I feel that the chorus of dancers was doing a lot more literal interpretation of what he was talking about. This was much more figurative and kind of odd and creepy. Gordon is Gordon is um, a single man, a widower. It becomes obvious that he's a widower or alone in his home early on uh, as he talks about the film club that he goes to <laughs> which is full of other widows and widowers mm-hmm. um, and then the the chorus of dancers become the start animating um, you know like things that are invading his space like mm-hmm. aphids in the garden and some sort of mysterious thing that is scratching in his house at night um, and so yeah well, well how did you feel that um, you know there's of course there's Gordon's story and the narration and this basic one man show um how do you feel that the chorus of dancers either fed in or played in with the with the production well it was really interesting because like right off the top they were so visually stunning and i was like i actually was a little bit chilled when i saw it It was like oh this is a bit ghostly um and it's november 2nd so you know halloween just came and went (laughs) um but i uh to be entirely honest in many cases the dancers sort of faded for me and i I really was very caught up in his narrative, which and I sort of said this before, but I, you know, for the, for about the first two minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long hour, <laughs> 70 minutes, whatever. And then I totally got caught up into Gordon's narration. And he this this character is sort of like the ultimate curmudgeon. Like I 
he's just you meet him and he's this guy who's so fixed in his routine and very detail oriented yeah like you can just see him like going to the office every day and then coming home and having a routine and there's these dancers sort of moving around him and there were moments where they were really um where i noticed them and and they sort of added something like the whole ladybug (laughs) ladybug uh uh, massacre part was really good but to some extent they sort of faded into the background for me a little bit mm-hmm. yeah there was this great part where so the dancers are for much of the time in the garden scenes uh, illustrating the idea of aphids attacking the garden and then he buys these ladybugs to kill the aphids or ants or something else um, and <laughs> and yeah it becomes like a sort of like a murderous scene <laughs> like oh my god like massacre in the garden these ladybugs ah, ah. Um, yeah shout out to my from landscape design friend Courtney because I know like ladybugs are freaking awesome <laughs> <laughs> no and I but, but sort of this natural selection theme sort of seemed to run throughout the play where it's you know I'll, 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 I'll okay there's aphids so we'll get some ladybugs and there's I think mice I think we're meant to think and so I'll get cats and I'll there's there's larvae so I'll I don't know it was just sort of this um, this natural order sort of like a pecking order yeah. kind of thing. yeah yeah and like oh the men at work talk about sports so i must learn something about sports even though i don't care about it like this mm-hmm. sort of natural yeah natural order kind of yeah thing. and i must send out porn like i don't know there were some things about it that i just i mean it was it's sort of written almost like in a, a bit of verse like it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it's straight prose there's uh, there's sort of like a cadence and a rhythm to it because it's it's set all to music. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music sometimes gets very dramatic. Um, <laughs> you know, we both noted there was some use of Carmina Burana in there and <laughs> little little over overture, little yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know this. The play visually, I believe, like did well in, you know, in lighting and the choreography was actually quite good. When I Mm -hmm. kind of sat and focused on the dancers, I thought, wow, they're doing really, really cool things. But it was so very secondary to Gordon and his like mainly lit, you know, male narrative. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, the 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 language in it like and and sorry, not and, and not to take away from the dancers or the actor at all, but I almost could have listened to this as a radio play like it was just. Just mm. liter- like just narratively so rich, and you're you're listening to his stories about his day, and there's sort of these chunks he moves through, and something about the office, and then something about his home, and um, yeah, you're, I I really found myself actually quite caught up in in his tiny version of the world, in this one little moment where he does this dance dance revolution (laughs) reenactment which had the audience in stitches like it was Mm -hmm. it was great because he's this very serious you know formulaic fellow Mm -hmm. and all you know when he breaks into a dance dance revolution yeah it was it was really sweet oh i mean to give you an idea of gordon like like how would you describe Gordon's character how he looked on stage like I felt I felt he looked like a little bit of like a young hapless Jeff Goldblum (laughs) in in a in a a silk rope absolutely but with like zero swagger and Mm -hmm. and just the world is is upon him and Mm -hmm. he you know he gets fired from his job for something that he was doing only to impress others like it's just Mm -hmm. he's totally a victim of his circumstance <laughs> well and you find out of course like you know near the end of near the end of the show you you have a sense that something has happened in his life that has made him 
shut him down shut him down yeah exactly and but and you find out near the end of the show what that is and maybe we won't give that away but um it is you know there's this thing there's this thing about sort of like grief and loss where someone is left alone in a house that you know i kind of I guess in, in, in recent times I've started becoming more appreciative of like stories of grief and, and things like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, he's left alone with his own thoughts and his own devices. And um, n- near the end of the show, you find that it's actually been quite a long time mm-hmm. that he's been like this. Mm-hmm. So it seems more, you know, like pained and, 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 and tortured and, and, and then, and really quite sad. Like, I feel like at the beginning, it seems a little bit quirky and interesting and, and sort of like silly almost. Um, but then by the end you realize how, you know, like still there's, it's still this like grief and loss and sadness. Oh, I was Um, sad leaving the theater. There's this moment at the end when he thinks he's sort of solved the problem and then he realizes He's sort of done something even sadder. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it, it actually quite, like, I, I felt quite sad, actually, at the end of the show, leaving mm-hmm. the, th- like, I, like, they got me. Yeah. They hooked me. Yeah. And I mean, for a local show, I mean, we saw it on a fundraiser night, too. So, you know, it was like with a sort of like a lot of friendlies in the audience. It wasn't one of those shows where people like leapt to their feet or anything. Everyone was sort of like just I think I feel still trying to absorb by the end um, and and trying to process what what they were really talking about. Absolutely. Like, I feel like. Yeah. So, as I said, like at the very first two minutes of the show, I was like. Uh oh, this is going to be a long hour. And then I found myself really charmed and taken in by the story. And you're going through Gordon's day, and you're starting to understand Gordon. And and then these sad moments happen, and you you're yeah, like I you're a little bit heartbroken for him at the end. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes a turn into sort of the fanciful that I wouldn't have expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the language, the language just you're sort of going down this path going down this path and then the language sort of snaps at the very end and again because the narrative I think in this was really the star for me anyway and the language snaps at the very end and you get this moment of realization that something has happened Mm -hmm. and I it just it broke my heart a little bit yeah I do think that that is one of um, Mackenzie's strengths as a playwright Um, and you saw this in Bears too is that he does have a really interesting knack for um, telling stories about the natural world and the natural things that are around incorporating you know, even like plant life and and things like it. It, it does it. The the language used does have a very um, distinct distinct mm-hmm. quality. I think, and and that was one thing that also stood out for me. So what I I do want to ask though. I mean, you kind of did mention how the movement sort of ended up being a little bit background for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is sort of what, what, what do you think is the effect of instead of this being a one person show that could be like, you know, very um, sort of like well scored, well lit, technically, you know, what have you. Um, what was the effect of having the dancers there at all? Well, I felt it was almost like, you know, hearkening back to like a Greek uh, chorus kind of thing. Like they they were there to support the action and they they did. And and he and and with all the talk of like the scratching and the aphids and the 
the co-workers and all of this stuff like he wasn't meant to be alone on the stage mm -hmm. but he also is meant to he, he is also meant to seem isolated and so i think having all this activity around him on the stage with these sort of ghostly looking figures because they all have veils over their faces i think creates actually sort of an image of him alone but also surrounded by spirits or or you know otherly beings i don't know so maybe maybe it was effective that way even mm -hmm. though you weren't paying attention to what they were doing mm -hmm. it's kind of this ethereal yeah i mean i felt myself maybe just because of the because i i, I enjoy dance I, i'm also really into language but i when i see a dance show i feel like i always want to see more dance and i wanted the dance to be a little bit more prominent in this like I felt that they could have been doing more I felt that in bears you know the dancers were so integral to the story they were telling because they were actually shaping the landscape that the character was walking through this one they were a little bit more abstract and obtuse and and because also their faces were covered it did seem it did seem harder to make a connection to um to to acknowledge that they were that they were really a part of the story too mm -hmm. other than just kind of like and yeah shapes that were accenting the soundscape you yeah. know i guess yeah yeah and i didn't i didn't really feel and i mean the choreography in some cases was very beautiful or impactful but it didn't necessarily feel terribly connected to the narrative like there were and I didn't notice any th themes sort of in the dance, but, and I mean, I don't have as well-trained an eye as you do, but I, yeah, it didn't, it, it served to serve a purpose in the sense that he wasn't alone and there was stuff going on, especially when he's talking about the scratchings and mm -hmm. the aphids and things, but I, yeah, it didn't, yeah. It was just really in service to his yeah. narrative mm -hmm. i felt like if there were dance breaks or something like that maybe we could have gotten a little bit more of a connection to them con connection to them but also knowing that i felt like you know this is a very internal story so maybe that's why it felt that way too right and you and I being women and watching, you know, a male narrator, maybe we're not really connecting to him in a certain way other than, you know, maybe trying to through these the movement characters. Um, but yeah, I felt I felt that not that they were like underused because yeah. they were um, a very integral visual part of the show. But I felt that there could have been a lot more meaning gleaned from them than than was actually um, than was actually offered. That's so funny. And clearly you're the dance expert because I was just like, oh, OK, whatever. I'm, I'm fine to listen to his story. Yeah, you're like, I'm not really watching them. I'm just <laughs> listening to the poetry of these words. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but but I felt that all the all of the performances were interesting. And, and one thing that I felt was almost kind of like an odd throw away at the end was that one of the dancers took his took his veil off oh yeah the, and, male, the, the single male dancer yeah because there's yeah like right at the very end the single male dance so the the females sort of surround the 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 male actor and then the male dancer sort of stands in his own little spotlight at the end and i had no idea why yeah either that did that seemed like a kind of like a weird it didn't 
mean anything extra. It just no. was just kind of like, oh, there was a man mixed in there. It hmm. wasn't any resolution. Huh. Yeah. It didn't seem to, res- yeah, it didn't seem to resolve anything in the narrative for me. Mm, nor I. Yeah. Anyway, um, a cryptic, visually interesting, and um, charming, charming piece of, of theater. The particulars, yeah. the particulars, the little particulate details, um, <laughs> were the things were the things that were your kind of like come away thing. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast again, Colleen. You better go get back to that baby now. Oh, I am. I'm gonna go get to that back to that baby. But you have to bring me out again, please. I swear. I swear. This has been the week where I like take out all of my friends who have babies. I'm like, I'm gonna give you a break. Come see a show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's November, and that means it's time to build your podcast playlist for the winter. On November 23rd, check out the Podcast Brunch Club with Lisa Pruden of the Well Endowed Podcast. She'll be joined by fellow podcast fans to talk about their latest favorites. It's like a book club, but for podcasts. It's free to sign up. To find out more about the Brunch Club and all of APN's member and affiliate podcasts, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right. Thanks again to Raina and Colleen for joining us and giving us your thoughts on those shows. Uh, Listings, what's coming up? It's a very exciting season happening right now. Six is about to kick off at the Citadel Theater from November uh, 2nd through 24th. They're in previews right now. Class of 63, a rockin' reunion at the Mayfield Dinner Theater starts up on November 5th, and that runs to January 26th. The Good Women Dance Connect Collective is having their annual Convergence Showcase at La Cité Francophone on November 14th through 16th. And Three Ladies is being presented at Studio Theatre at the ATB Arts Barns from November 14th to 16th. That's with um, Lady Vanessa Cardona and Nazra Dem, uh, which I think should be a pretty interesting show. Bed and Breakfast is starting up at Theatre Network at the Roxy on Gateway from November 19th through December 8th. And Pippin, uh, McEwen Theater Arts show is kicking off at the Trifo Theater from November 20th to 30th. All right, everyone. So that's a lot of things. Go see some shows. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here,